You're listening to the Cross of Grace Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. On April 19th, 2020, we gathered online to digitally worship on the second Sunday of Easter. Pastor Aaron Stamper preached from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them. And said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Here ends the reading. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ, and the Holy Spirit who unites us in faith. So based on our sermons over the last few years, Pastor Mark and I are on the same wavelength regarding the story of Doubting Thomas. We have each preached about how the dude has accumulated a couple centuries worth of a bad rap, and that he doesn't really deserve the doubting moniker because he was the one who went about his daily life while his friends were the ones cowering in fear inside a locked room. He, after all, only wanted to experience what those friends had experienced, that is the resurrected presence of his rabbi, Jesus. Well, a lot has changed since we heard this story last year, and I'm understanding this story in a whole new light, given the state of our world right now. I'm not suggesting that the story has changed or that the way that you or I previously understood the story is wrong in any way. But simply put, the way that you understand any good story is dependent on how you experience your world. You get something different out of a good story each time you read or hear. Stories in scripture are no different. That's why we revisit these same stories year after year in worship. It's why we celebrate the same liturgical events year after year. 
The stories don't change, but the insights that we glean from them certainly do change. And they're dependent on a wide variety of present day circumstances. It's all that to say, in light of what's going on in our world right now, I'm not a big fan of Thomas. In light of what's going on right now, I say his actions seem irresponsible and short-sighted, and perhaps serve as a warning for us all to heed. In light of what's going on right now, it's easy to imagine a small group of disciples huddled together at someone's home. Easy to imagine them rooted in place by fear, knowing that something threatening, perhaps tragic, would await them if they stepped outside. They were quarantined, not out of fear of contracting a virus, but rather out of fear that they would be the targets of religious, cultural, and political violence. Now, one of those disciples, for whatever reason, was not heeding those warnings. Doubting Thomas was not about to be cooped up at home. He was the one who decided to carry on as though life were no different than before Jesus' death, which is silly because everything had changed. So call him brave, if you want. Call him arrogant, if that's your inclination. Or, as has been done throughout Christian history, call him incredulous. But Doubting Thomas left the others behind. And by doing so, he put them at risk. Now, it's easy to imagine someone recognizing Thomas as he's doing whatever he's doing out in public. It's easy to imagine someone recognizing him and tracking him back to the house where all the disciples were gathered. It's easy to think that the entire Jesus movement could have been stopped dead in its tracks just days after Jesus' death if those initial disciples had been seized, tortured, and executed, just like their leader. Now, to the present day, the clear message from the beginning of this global practice of quarantine and isolation and physical distancing has been to protect those who are most vulnerable. We have been warned against carrying on with life as usual. Because who knows what we could unwittingly bring back to our homes, schools, businesses, and churches. The practice of quarantine has been an exercise in sacrifice. We're doing with less activities, less freedom, less income, in order to preserve the health of our neighbors and ourselves. Now, if you are among those of us who are not engaged in essential services, if you are heeding the advice of scientists and staying at home, you are very much like those initial disciples who were huddled in their home at a time of uncertainty. I'm here to tell you that's a good thing. Because recall what happened to those disciples as they were huddled in their home in fear. Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up in their home, passing through a locked door, and made the good news of his resurrection promises immediately clear to his friends. 
shows us that Jesus is capable of communicating God's promises even when we're isolated at home. Doubting Thomas didn't get that, at least not initially. Seems to me he was a bit of a busybody. He had big plans, things to do. He wasn't about to waste time stuck at home. Because perhaps he doubted that God would show up there. So he went out. And in so doing, he missed Jesus' initial appearance. Today, Doubting Thomas gives us a powerful warning against our tendency to take matters into our own hands, as well as our tendency to force the world to adjust to our expectations and desires. May we not make the same mistake. We know, we believe, and we trust that Jesus is perfectly capable of making his presence known to us as we isolate in our homes in order to ensure the safety of billions of our neighbors. Now, Doubting Thomas wasn't keen to wait around at home. And after these last few weeks, I definitely understand how hard it is to wait. It seems like all I do is wait. Just waiting for things to happen. And it's nerve-wracking. I'm sure you feel the same way. Now, here's just a small list I put together of things that I realize I am waiting on every day. Got some. All right. So this is our front yard. Obviously, we are waiting for some grass seed to come in. We uh, spread that about a week ago, and we're even waiting for the first signs that that work of uh, spreading the seed and the hay has done anything. We haven't seen the first sign of a single sprout of new grass. We're just waiting. Some of you might recognize this. This is uh, five gallons of ale that I brewed a few days ago, which means that I still have about four weeks left of waiting to see if all that work and money was worth anything, if it turns out good or not. We're going grocery shopping once every two weeks or so, and Lindsay, my wife, went most recently to Trader Joe's and found that she had to wait outside uh, six feet away from the person in front and behind her since they only allow a certain number of people in the store at any given time. This might seem a strange one, but this is one of my favorite TV shows. The season finale was supposed to have aired uh, a week ago Sunday, and it didn't because it wasn't done yet, because no one can go to work to do the video editing, so they have asked all the fans of the show to wait indefinitely for the cliffhanger season finale. Some of you might be familiar with this screen. We were told that we're getting some checks in the mail from the government to help at this time, and uh, we're waiting for ours. seems like maybe ours was one that was affected by the glitches in the system, and uh, the website gives me this information, so we're waiting. Another thing that involves a lot of waiting is the sourdough bread baking I've been doing. I think I'm up to loaf number 11 by last count uh, during this quarantine, and if you know anything about this process, you know that you have to wait and wait and wait. 
from the beginning when I take the stuff in the jar and mix it together to the end product, it takes about two and a half days. So a lot of waiting involved in that. There's another project I've been working on while at home. This is a violin that I'm building and it's just uh, waiting for the next step, waiting for things to dry, waiting for parts to arrive or tools, special tools that I need for this. Just a lot of waiting. I've kind of blazed through all my favorite podcasts. So most of the podcasts that I pull up on my app just have a blank screen at the bottom because I've listened to them all. So waiting days and days for the new releases. And we're also waiting for our grandma. Lindsay's grandmother is not doing well. She's in a hospital in Northwest Ohio. And we're waiting for word that she's okay, that she is on the mend, that she's being taken care of. Uh, no one's allowed to visit her at this time. She's very alone and confused. It's a hard time for everyone. So we're uh, anxiously waiting for this, uh, for some good news to come of this. And of course, this is the big one, right? This is what we're waiting on. Hope, treatment, cure for this disease that is ravaging throughout the world. So I want to invite you to a practice that I have been invited into. And that is to consider all of the waiting that we're doing as an exercise in trust. And a reminder, and yes, it's a cliche, but it's true that it's the journey that matters, not the destination. This year, the heroes of this Bible story, to me, are the disciples who took isolation and quarantine seriously. They were the ones who allowed God to work within the waiting, within the uncertainty. They were the ones who did not force God's hand, tempt fate, or act out of disbelief. They were the ones to whom God's promises were revealed first. They waited, and they were rewarded. So may these days of waiting be for you opportunities. Catch an unexpected and perhaps startling glimpse of God's presence and God's promises. Slow down. Stay home. Balance your compassionate, caring urges with caution. Direct your spiritual energy to those who most need it. And may you, above all, trust that God will show up in those physical and metaphorical places where you feel stuck. And also importantly, may you trust that God will guide us back together when it is time to do so. <laughs>